check. Hello, chat. Hello. How's it going? I, I'm doing all right. My, uh, my, you know, my, my e-gamer nerd dick is drained from all this sweet, sweet E3 news because I've been coming all day during the Nintendo Direct. So yeah, that's uh, that's how we're starting this episode, just with that mental image. You're welcome. Huzzah! I saw you posted a thirst trap anyway, so yeah, yeah. give a lot of people who follow you on uh, Twitter a reason to masturbate. Congratulations. Yep, yep, that one was for the people. Good. <laughs> Welcome to Real Nerd Hours, your favorite slice of life podcast, ostensibly about nurture. This this week we've got E3 chit chat as well as, I guess, a movie review. I don't know. I maybe. Guess. And a new podcast. What? <gasps> Off top, let's start with the new podcast. New podcast is starting in approximately two weeks. Next week's episode is going to be the final episode of Real Nerd Hours. And then the new podcast is going to be dropped into this feed. But it'll also have its own RSS feed. So they'll be up simultaneously, and then you can find it. Uh, the second RSS feed isn't up yet, so you won't be able to find it on Apple or any of those uh, platforms yet. But it will be up there eventually, so no yeah. worries. Yeah, we'll get there. And then, you know, once we fully transition out of this show into the new one, we'll slowly start erasing all traces of this show and gaslight you into believing that there never was a real Nerd Hours. But, you know, it comes yeah. with times. It's just part of the process exactly it's going to be like the mandela effect we're gonna we're gonna try to trick you into believing that real nerd hours never existed because why would we uh, i don't know where i was going with that anyway (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the new podcast is called no concessions it's a movie podcast hosted by people you like yeah and it's going to be dropping uh yeah like i said in two weeks and we have a special offer going up on the Patreon on, I want to say, the 21st, where we are giving out three stickers for people who sign up to the Patreon hey. during that period. So I'll put up this information again next week on the next episode to keep your minds fresh on the idea of joining the Patreon. But the Patreon uh, for Real Nerd Hours, the URL has changed. It's now at patreon.com slash no concessions and yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be there from now on it's gonna be pretty easy to find no concessions patreon.com slash no concessions sign up there enjoy the patreon content and yeah let's get into some e3 chats yeah it's got you so fucking excited over there playboy i mean today was the nintendo conference and they just kind of like hey Remember all those things that you liked and were excited about? You're getting them all. Except for, you know, Metroid. So, you know, fuck, fuck the Metroid fans, I guess. But, uh, yeah, uh, they they announced quite a bit today. And, I like, there was a lot that's been going on with Nintendo lately. Like, um, Breath of the Wild killed it two years ago. Uh, and we haven't really had a ton of Zelda main game content since then. So they're like, yo. Remember Breath of the Wild? Did you want more DLC? Fuck that. You're getting Breath of the Wild 2. Yeah. 
Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They announced a, a full-on sequel. I, Zelda cut her hair. So that's cool, I guess. A lot of fucking pe- SJWs ruining video <laughs> games. Why can't she have her sexy long hair, huh? And why does she have to put her feet away, huh? I just want to see her feet. What's wrong with what's I wrong with Zelda having her toes out? Long hair and dainty feet. That's all I buy these games for. All right? Come on. Fucking SJWs. The worst. The worst. Uh, yeah, so that that was like probably the most uh, nebulous news that was uh, announced today. And we also got we got a glimpse of Dr. Eggman's feet. So there's your feet, Mr. Gamer Man. Uh, Mr. Gamer Man, show me, Mr. Gamer Man, some feet. <laughs> Just put that on a soundboard somewhere, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I guess the one that that caught everyone by rock hard dick surprise was a uh, Banjo Kazooie for Smash. Everyone's like, "Oh shoot!" People remembered Banjo Kazooie, and the uh, the reveal cinematic trailer thing was it's pretty good it's pretty good I, I enjoyed it damn you're talking about all kinds of mystery for me i don't even remember any of this shit well mainly because i didn't watch nintendo's today but i feel like i would have seen some of it on social media that's all my feed is like just it's entirely just banjo kazooie oh shit and then final fantasy 7 stuff but we'll get to that in a second yeah, a lot of people are hyped. A lot of people are excited that Banjo Kazooie is not just a forgotten IP, and they look a hell of a lot better than they did in their latest game, which ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else at work referenced ukulele today, and I'm like, I don't even know what. Oh yeah, that game existed. <laughs> yeah, buddy. It took me. A- like a few minutes to actually understand what the hell they were saying. Like, was that was that like another sister of his? Was that was that the weird sidekick? What's going on? But no, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, ukulele. That game existed. Uh oh. Also in Smash is the hero from Dragon Quest. Uh, in, I don't remember the numbers. I know there's. 11, I think 9, I think 1. I don't, I don't even know. It's, I didn't play a lot of Dragon Quest games. They're not that popular in the U.S. But, uh, yeah, Dragon Quest, pro tag from various games. Uh, yeah, there is still, there's still plenty of news. I'm excited to see more celebrities, like, giving very large spotlight roles in games. I'm looking at you, Keanu Reeves. This is your year. This is your year for Cyberpunk 2077. We got a glimpse into the future, and it's got Keanu Reeves in it, just like we all knew it would. I saw that presentation, and I thought it was really cool, but I thought it was really funny how he was trying to get the audience to chill the fuck out so he could get through the presentation. (laughs) He was just like, all right, come on, guys. Come on, guys. All right, guys, come on. It was pretty fucking good. Yeah, those, those presentations... I heard Bethesda was probably the worst about this, where, like, the crowd was just obnoxiously loud. Oh, it was, like, two dudes. I I watched that presentation at work the other day, and it was just one or two people in the audience that just kept screaming, (laughs) Yeah! Woo! It was so crazy. Incredible. Incredible. 
fucking incredible. Yeah, but I'll I'll circle back to Keanu and his his apparently large role in uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. But the other big thing was, uh, of course, Final Fantasy news, where they announced a Final Fantasy eight remaster, and Squall is now actually the most handsome person in the dance. That's the most important Final Fantasy news to come out this week. Uh, yeah, go ahead and look that up because uh, it's true. But in other less important news, we finally got some more shit on Final Fantasy VII's remake, the long-awaited, the return of the god, you know, Cloud's back in action, and Barrett has been uh, given a nice skin bleaching, and Sid probably won't beat his wife, and Tifa has been ruined by the SJWs. You know, she doesn't have her, her big boxy tits anymore. And I, she doesn't have the quadruple G's exactly, and they're not like at 90 degree angles. I don't want this game anymore. This is bullshit. I was gonna drop <laughs> $300 on that special edition because I needed that statue, not anymore. Then they showed Tifa, uh uh-uh. uh, no, no yeah, Lara Croft titties, no buy. <laughs> if they if they had a real Tifa bust, I would have bought it. These <laughs> fucking SJWs have invaded Japan and ruined the video games for everyone. It's awful. They make everyone look like K-pop stars, including the women. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the game looks actually really interesting. It's kind of a new take on the sort of action RPG that they've been leaning towards because turn-based RPGs just don't really perform all that well in American markets or global markets, I would say. Um, They've kind of been relegated into the more indie sphere and smaller releases. AAA games, I don't... I can't really think of the last real blockbuster turn-based RPG we've had. It was probably probably Final Fantasy XIII. Octopath Traveler. Oh, you mean my bad. Yeah, see, even Octopath was great, or at least according to most people's reviews, but it's still, it's a Switch exclusive. It's kind of low key. You know, it wasn't. It was released on PC just today or last week. Oh, I'm going to get it. But uh, (laughs) it was Switch exclusive for a very long time. But uh, yes, it was. it, It was not brought out to a bunch of fanfare you know it had no didn't hold a candle at all to a final fantasy and like dragon quest is still a big deal in japan but it was never a big deal in the u.s so it's because those games suck they're very slow the problem that i have with all jrpgs holistically is the amount of grinding that you have to do and if you remove the grinding from it like aside from like the normal normal leveling that you would probably do then the game is like 20 hours shorter and it's just kind of a boring experience anyway there's there are only a few games that i would say made gameplay actually enjoyable either in lieu of or in spite of the grinding. Like Final Fantasy X, for example, if you want to do endgame content, you got to grind like a motherfucker. Like, there's so much to do. But it's not just repeatedly fighting the strongest monsters and just leveling up. You know, there's actual choices to be made in the sphere grid, and there's also, like, if you want to do the monster creations, then you have to 
actually seek out certain things and go back and do a bunch of backtracking, which I know a lot of people hate, but it does make for much more content. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mind that because end game content was actually challenging and you had some sense of customization with it. So it didn't feel nearly as bad. I still wouldn't go back and spend, you know, 500 hours on it. And then yeah. other games would find some way to circumvent the grinding like Final Fantasy VIII where enemies leveled with you. So if whether you grind or not, they're still going to be pretty much at parity with you. Except that's not even really true because if you were at level 100, you were still outpacing them at level 100. So it's kind of a weird mix of grinding, not grinding. But you yeah. level crazy fast in that game anyway, so it wasn't a big deal. And also, the battle system was fucking busted. <laughs> yeah, just junction death to your status attack, and you're you're good to go. Yeah, there was uh, there were a lot of issues with older JRPGs. None of the it seems really weird to say, but it seems like a lot of the battle systems in those games were pretty broken. Once you found the right combination, it's as if like the game design wasn't thought about as in depth as it is today i don't know how to phrase it because basically what you're looking at is a a pretty pretty complex system with a bunch of holes in it and it doesn't seem like it was put to the test like strategically maybe it's just too complex for its own good stuff like the sphere grid was easily broken materia system easily broken uh, the system in Legend of Dragoon, whatever that was called, was also easily broken. There were a lot of JRPGs that I can remember playing like when I was younger uh, that the systems were just not good. I, I don't mind systems that are easily broken because I like breaking them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's... It's a very thin line they walk. You know, if you don't give players enough freedom, then it just feels linear and restricting. But if you give players too much freedom, they're going to find some dumb shit that you didn't really intend for them to be able to do. They're going to find it and they're going to exploit it. But I would say you're better off leaning toward the broken because you're probably going to overlook something anyway. And if there is truly no way around any of your intended systems, then you probably have made too restricted of a system. Yeah, but I think simplicity lends itself better to JRPGs or RPGs in general. You can have a lot of different things. And even in something like Borderlands, that game is easily broken because there are a lot of choices there, but they aren't necessarily well balanced. I guess I guess what I'm saying is that... RPG systems are probably very hard to design and take a lot of thought and probably aren't well balanced for a reason. Yeah, that's that's seems like a fair assessment. Back on the topic of um, the Final Fantasy VII, uh, the uh, what we've seen with that is that it is a new approach to the action RPG, which is a little bit more. I wouldn't call it turn based but it has some turn-based, 
ideas in there, which is interesting. You know, it's not just waiting around for your turn and scrolling through a bunch of menus. You've got movement, you've got, you know, stuff to do in between turns, as it were. And you're still controlling each character. Everyone works a little bit differently, which was one of the complaints from more traditional JRPG players in regards to Final Fantasy VII, which was that no one really had any defined roles or classes. Like, okay, Barrett has long-range attack. Cool. Uh, Eris is a better healer, but anyone can equip cure magic, you know? Like, no one really had their actual roles defined, and so you just pick the characters that have the best limits. Or, you know, yeah. whoever you like the most, If I guess if you're weird... <laughs> but uh, but it seems like these characters actually have more of a defined role in what they're supposed to be doing in that, okay, Barrett having long-range attacks seems much more relevant now. Or Cloud is more of the hybrid kind of character, whereas Tifa is more of a physical attacker, that kind of thing. So that's cool. I, I don't like active battle systems in RPGs, especially considering that it seems like most of the fights are going to be taken, taking place in, like, gated systems i can't remember the name of the games but my sister really enjoyed them they were some of the first active combat rpgs out there there was one that was really popular for the gamecube Mm. it wasn't dissidia Mm. fuck well fuck it whatever whatever (laughs) that one was if you know it at home if you scream loud enough i'm sure i'll hear you you should scream as loud as you can (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, what it seems like to me is they've just taken the battle system from Final Fantasy 15 and just moved it over to Final Fantasy 7 and included a materia system. Yeah, honestly, you know, obviously neither of us have played it because the demo is only available at E3, but that's how it seems from the from the outside, you know. It's it's basically uh, impossible to tell uh, it, for yourself until until you actually try it. I guess I hear yeah, that it true. feels fluid, but oh, you know that's what so I've heard. these SJW game developers even need to make the game systems fluid. Yeah, I know. Mm, is gender not enough? <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe this. It's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> I watched Xbox's conference and I watched Ubisoft's and I watched what else was there? Bethesda. I'll be honest, I've never been into like who won E3 because I think that whole concept is stupid as fuck. It's like, oh, cool. Like, let's grant uh, a win to something that's impossible to win. It's a really weird idea to me. And also, none of the companies that I was paying attention to, maybe Sony did. I didn't see Sony's. Nobody brought back Spelunky 2, so, or <laughs> brought in Spelunky 2. That's the only game that I'm really watching for. Really, I'll be honest with you, the last game that I actually genuinely was really excited for was Cuphead. And <laughs> I played I played that, and I fucking suck at video games, and it was very difficult, and I never <laughs> beat it. It was very fucking hard. But the only other game that I'm looking forward to is uh, Spelunky 2 and Cyberpunk 2077, which looks so rad. Yeah. It looks so fucking rad. The The thing that I see in that game is like, 
Oh boy. I I just it looks like um it just looks like a fucking sick ass time. I don't necessarily like the story because it's a bit cliched. It's the cyberpunk story. Oh my goodness, what do you know? Uh, I'm betrayed by the person that I work for. Ooh, yikes. Oh, that no. seems like a, a seems like a very very big problem and very obvious to anybody who's ever read any cyberpunk anything before. <laughs> oh my god. This is this seems so weird. I know the game isn't going to be solely just cyberpunk tropes and I know that CD Project Red is going to be capable of doing like a really good job with it. So I'm very excited to play it. The one thing that I'm not excited about is as soon as that press conference was over, I got an email from steam saying that i can pre-order the game hmm. the game's not going to be out until april 16th 2020 yeah why why are you emailing me about pre-ordering a game a year in advance hey, i don't get hey, it it's only 10 months in advance oh excuse me 10 months a whole a whole 10 months in advance that game has been talked about for the last what two years now yeah at least yeah so it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me i don't get it you've been hyping up a game for two years okay so why don't why don't you make the pre-order available two years ago huh Hmm? yeah i never understood that like i had a friend who was really really into golden sun and so when they finally announced the third golden sun pre-orders were available like pretty much as soon as the the game was announced and this was uh Back in the day when pretty much only GameStop had a corner on the pre-order market. So he went into a GameStop, put down five bucks, said, put this on Golden Sun. I'm getting that fucking game. And they said, okay, the game comes out uh, December 31st, 2012 or whatever year it was. And he says, okay, perfect. But of course, that wasn't the release date for Golden Sun 3. That was just some fucking day that they had because they're like well it's supposed to come out sometime in 2012 so there you go and that was it and it got pushed back many many times after that well not even pushed back because they never even said really an actual release date but that was what we got and he ended up canceling the pre-order I don't even remember why but like why even have the option to pre-order a game that's not even necessarily guaranteed to come out like yeah it's only five dollars and a lot of other places won't even make you put money down if they don't have a date yet but you could just be more certain about your product or maybe not try and take people's money sight unseen but of course there's no there's no benefit for a company not to do that you know, like, yeah, if, if you lose your paperwork saying that you pre-ordered a game and you're out 60 bucks, that's on the consumer. And yeah, they can get mad at the company for not also having a record. But then the company could also just say, it's your game. Like, it's not our responsibility to keep track of this stuff, you know? Yeah, I definitely understand, like, the idea behind uh, consumer responsibility, especially when it comes to stuff like Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Here's a funny story for you. There was a pair of headphones that I was looking at buying last January, and I had them in my bookmark bar forever, and they were on Indiegogo. They actually have a 
class action lawsuit that's been filed against them because they didn't actually produce the headphones or they did. They just didn't do what they said they did. So the idea behind the headphones was that they produced like a surround sound experience. I guess the technical term for it was like a 3D room experience where it's not necessarily even surround sound. It's just 3D space. Sure. So it's not necessarily like, uh, oh, wow, uh, you got two in the front, two in the back, uh, two on the sides. It's literally just all around you. And they just never were able to make that work. Hmm. So they got a class action lawsuit filed against them. And oh. I'm very glad that I didn't buy them. And that's why I don't ever buy or do anything on Indiegogo or uh, Kickstarter or any of that stuff. If the product's good enough, I'll just get it. And if the product's too small for me to, to be able to buy it like a normal consumer would, say, like on their website or something, then I just don't need to have it. I like stuff. I like buying stuff. Stuff is cool as shit. But I don't. That's just something that I don't need to have. I don't need to if it's on a kickstarter or if i need to wait like a month or two to get something then i typically won't buy it if it's from an indie creator like there's this artist named drug dogs who whose art i buy and his stuff at least i haven't received the stuff that i ordered from like two months ago And it's because, like, I understand that he's, like, an indie creator. It's him by himself. He goes to a lot of conventions, and he's got a certain workflow. So I know that I I can, like, charge back that stuff on PayPal, whereas a system like Kickstarter or Indiegogo has stuff built into it where it's basically like, look, you can't hold us responsible if this shit falls through and you can barely hold the creator responsible if it falls through. So it's probably best if you just are aware of that off jump. Yeah. They, I I think those platforms would fail honestly, if they did have some sort of consumer protections because it's it's taking a gamble, you know, it's early investment into a product. And as with any early investment, it is a risk. It's a risk that you're assuming. And I think a lot of people had delusions about that when Kickstarter and Indiegogo and whatever other crowdfunding platforms became a thing. I don't think people realized how, dare I say, uninsured this all was it's there's effectively no protections for consumers on that. And that, you know, if if you're willing to take that risk, like if it's for someone you trust or that you, you know, you love whatever they're selling so much or proposing to sell so much that you think it's worth the risk, then yeah, go ahead. But a lot of these, a lot of these Kickstarter campaigns either go nowhere or just seem totally unnecessary. Like these should just be products that you can sell on the internet and it's already done. Like, what do you need funding for? I, I don't get it, but this is a bit of a, a, quite a bit of a side tangent, but a friend of mine works for a company that does Kickstarters professionally. So they basically are the project management firm that manages Kickstarters. What they do is like, if there's a product that they're into, they will 
put together the Kickstarter. They have like a certain success rate, so they're like a reliable company, and people will pay them to run their campaign for them, and they get a percentage of whatever that campaign pulls in. And so the idea behind most of the products available on Kickstarter or what have you is that you use that as a way to pull in investors. So what you do is, okay, I've got 30,000 people who are interested in this product on Kickstarter. And now we can actually pull an investment for that product. Interesting. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. So it's think of it in the same way that uh, Shenmue did their thing. They went on Kickstarter, raised $3 million, and they basically were able to say, like, look, there's interest in this product. If we had a wider reach, we could definitely get more money. And this is already guaranteed sales. And it reduces your risk as an investor. And it looks makes us look fucking dope. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I get... I get definitely see the appeal as a company for something like that, but I feel like that's such a that's such like the Goldilocks zone that you have to be in in order for that to work. You know, like if if Nintendo went on to Kickstarter and said, Oh, hey, let's kickstart the next Mario game, some people would eat that shit up, other people would be like, It's Nintendo making a Mario game. Why do you need money from us? That's a long roundabout conversation about why I just don't pre-order shit because <laughs> I just, I don't want it. I don't, if I don't need to pre-order it to have it, if it's good, I'll just buy it when it comes out though. If cyberpunk 2027 or 2077 comes out with like an ill art book or some shit, I might actually have to get like the platinum premium edition because that's fucking cool. That's Yee. so fucking cool. So there's there's a few different editions that are available. There's standard, you know, whatever. I don't even think is available for pre-order. But then you've got the deluxe edition and the first class edition. So first class edition comes with the game, a statue, an art book, a soundtrack CD, a steel book for the, uh, it's like a, you know, special case for the game and then two free DLC. How much is that? That is $330. Oh God. <laughs> uh, the deluxe edition comes with the game, the art book, the soundtrack, the steel book, and the two pieces of DLC, which is to say the only difference between the two editions is that figure. It's just, it's a statue of cloud on his motorcycle. It looks pretty sweet, but the price difference is $250. Goddamn, that art book must be tiny as fuck. I know, right? (laughs) Like, that was was what really stood out to me, was that, like, you know, all this other stuff is only worth $20, but this statue alone is pushing up the top edition $250 above the next lowest, which has all the other shit. So, um, yeah, I... We'll probably be pre-ordering the deluxe edition because I don't give a shit about no $250 statue unless that thing is life-size. But, like, what's the DLC for Final Fantasy VII? Oh, they're, they're summons. Oh, cool. Uh, so you get Tiamat and uh, Bahamut from Final Fantasy VIII. 
<laughs> no, it's uh, it is Cactor and Carbuncle. That's fucked up. You're gonna make Cactar DLC? <laughs> yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. I'm upset by this. That Drake's was... hit single "I'm Upset" is playing on repeat in my mind right now. That was like, I don't give a shit about Carbuncle, but you're gonna add Cactar and make a DLC? Oh, that's low. <laughs> Wasn't I thought Cactar was a summon already in seven, or was in that just eight. in? It was an A. Oh, okay, never mind. But it was hype in eight. <laughs> yeah, Cactar was six fucking eight. Never mind. I'm no longer upset. Okay. Okay. Uh, I take it back. Plays on repeat in my head. I don't remember who made that song though. That's okay. You took it back anyway. <laughs> oh oh oh! Wait, actually, they have the dimensions on this figurine. Except the image is so low quality, I can't actually read it. God damn it! <laughs> Go figure. I'm. Whatever it. It's probably pretty large. But that's not that's not enough to sell me on it. I'm sure there are plenty of people who have already emptied their wallets for this. But uh, nah, I don't need it that bad. I'll just get the regular ass deluxe edition because I mean, an art book's cool, soundtrack's cool, free DLC. Why not? And I, it's not like I'm not gonna get the game because that that the original Final Fantasy VII like shaped my sense of profanity. I was seven years old cursing up a storm because my two favorite characters in the game, Barrett and Sid, all cursed like sailors. And then you also tried beating your mom. It didn't work out that well. <laughs> hey, slut, give me some fucking tea. God damn it. And yeah. <laughs> that, that, uh, the slapping that went along with it was my mother beating me because that's how power <laughs> dynamics work when you're a child. Absolutely. <laughs> Something else that I really enjoy about e3 yearly is the giant bomb coverage oh yeah so shout out they do to, a night show. Dang. yeah shout out to dave lang uh one of the things that i actually really appreciate about the giant bomb coverage is that uh every year they do like a four or five hour night show maybe it's even like six hours yeah. it's a long it's fucking long. show and they talk to basically anybody that they can get their fucking hands on <laughs> When I was watching earlier before recording, they were interviewing somebody from the Gears of War team, one of the industrial designers from Microsoft who helped build the new Elite controllers. And uh, yeah, dude, it's fucking tight. It's super sick. And it's not typical game information. Jeff Gerstmann is like a fucking dope interviewer and it's not one of those like weird bro interviews like on some joe rogan shit where it's basically these dudes having like non-sequitur conversations over a three-hour period he asks very well thought out and like well-defined questions to these people and they kind of uh they go over topics like pertaining to video games and it's actually really fucking sick dude nice I'll have to, I'll have to Every watch year. one of those actually in full. I've only ever seen clips from them. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't... You, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I, not in full, but like at least a full segment with someone that they're talking to. Yeah. So what they typically do is they have, uh, depending on the person, they'll have like three or four people on the couch. And with that comes like... It, it, conversations about games um depending on who they're talking to so if they're talking to 
like the industrial designer, they'll ask him specifically questions about the industrial design aspects of that controller and so on and so forth. You get where I'm going. Yeah. It's it's not as if they're they they don't talk to him for just fifteen minutes or whatever and then call it a night. Um or move on to somebody else. It's a mixed conversation featuring multiple people. Yeah. It's good though. I like it. Giant Bomb does a lot of good work. Good. We I need, enjoy their stuff. We need actually decent content for uh for the gamers out there. We need to rise up and get media training. <laughs> oh God. Alright, what, what what movie did you watch? Tell us about it. I watched two movies. First one was Hotel Artemis. The second one was The Foreigner with Jackie Chan. Uh-huh. And so I'll start with Hotel Artemis. It came out between John Wick 1 and 2. It seemed like a way for whoever, whomever wrote that movie to like kind of explore an underground society similar to John Wick's where you have underground or black market doctors, you have black market uh, hoteliers, shit like that. So what ends up happening is uh, these dudes rob this bank and they steal a set of diamonds and with those diamonds they try to I don't know, sell them or something. One dude's an addict and it's his brother who's helping him get to this hospital uh, this black market hospital, I should say, and th- it ensues from there. And it's just kind of like a toned down version of something like a John Wick where they try hard to like build up this underground society, but they don't do a good job of it. And it kind of like the setting, the backdrop of the world isn't really all that interesting, but it gives them an excuse to be holed up in this hotel. And the things that happen in the movie are, it's just, it's so hard to explain because it's kind of just a boring movie where nothing really exciting happens. It's, it kind of just exists in this world where movies exist. They just made it and they, it seemed like they were maybe trying to cash in on the John Wick hype. I see. So what it sounds to me is that they had an, fairly interesting concept and a fairly interesting you know world uh, as it were and just kind of drop the ball so i wouldn't even say that it's an interesting world either i would say that i would say they took a slice because i think the john wick stuff is interesting i think that the sordid underbelly of neo los angeles uh that these people are living in or whatever the fuck the place is called in hotel artemis isn't that interesting so what's happening outside in the world is that there's a riot because clean potable water is hard to come by and a company that's basically the analog for nestle has taken control over the potable water and the people are revolting and the cops as as you would not be shocked to know are on the side of the corporation imagine my shock (laughs) so basically the whole movie revolves around these people who robbed this bank hiding out from a riot and they can't leave the hotel because there's a curfew and a riot and that kind of serves as the excuse to keep them in the hotel so it's not like i don't think the movie's all that impressive it's it's whatever yeah that was enjoyed it 
Go ahead. That was what most reviews of it kind of said. Was that like, yeah, it's just not really there. It ain't hitting right. Whatever. And that's pretty much it. Okay. Well, I guess if John Wick's is Barks Root Beer, the A1 root beer choice, uh, then this is A&W or maybe Jones Cola root beer. It's serviceable. It's probably like it's it's missing something. It's hard to tell what it is, but it's all right. It's all right. Or maybe, maybe, oh my God, tell me what the, get in the comments. Tell me what the number one root beer is. I'm thinking maybe it's IBC. Ooh, yeah. IBC, IBC is real good. bangs. That shit is so good. And like, I've had some bespoke sodas in my day. So there, I've definitely had like the, I don't even know what to call them. Uh, craft. Whatever. Craft sodas. Craft. Yeah, I've had craft sodas. I'm actually, no, never mind. That's a conversation for another time. <laughs> uh, so the second movie that I watched was The Foreigner with Jackie Chan. And there's a lot out there about how Jackie Chan goes into movies and he doesn't want to play the bad guy, which makes a lot of sense until you watch The Foreigner. Uh, he's objectively the bad guy in this movie. Despite the fact that his daughter was killed in a bombing at the beginning of the movie by the IRA, another classic villain from the 90s that I don't think should be brought back because like culturally speaking I think that using countries or specific people from countries is probably a bad look when it comes to terrorism either make up a country or uh, at, at least or, make up some shadowy organization yeah make up a country or an organization or use something like eco terrorists where <laughs> like the motives are plain right <laughs> Like so, eco. I think eco terrorists are like such. That's such a sick one because they're they're terrorists, but they're for the environment. So are they really that bad? I don't know. It's it's that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's real dumb, but I I enjoy the thought of eco terrorists a lot. Um, as far as movie villains go, not IRL. <laughs> yes. So important I distinction. That, yeah, absolutely. Um. Jackie Chan's daughter is killed by the IRA in an IRA bombing and initially he's going to the police constantly like hey who killed my daughter who killed my daughter did you find them did you find them did you find them and he does this as it's stated in the movie he does this for like a week or so straight mm. until the police are basically like look dog you can't keep coming here. Uh, we haven't found who killed your daughter. We're sorry about it, but we're working very hard. And it's called the foreigner. It's called the foreigner mainly because Jackie Chan is Chinese in London. He's like, um, he's got his green card or whatever, and he's living there on some sort of visa or some shit. I don't, I couldn't tell you exactly what that, why they named it the foreigner. Seems like a weird choice of name, but basically, his daughter born in London and she's like killed by these this group of terrorists um and so jackie chan is going on a mission to find who killed his daughter okay that's cool like that's a cool motive for the hero but in effect what he does is starting at the beginning of the movie he starts her relentlessly harassing people eventually he comes across like who whoever's like the mep or whatever for this area in northern ireland where ira activity has taken place and that dude's played by pierce brosnan 
And what ends up happening is Jackie Chan is harassing this dude pretty relentlessly about who killed his daughter, going to the lengths to call the dude a liar when he says, like, look, dog, I have no fucking idea who killed your daughter. I don't have any names. I can't help you. Like, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? And Jackie's like, I know you're fucking lying. And at that point in the movie, I'm like, yo, Jackie Chan is a fucking psycho. <laughs> and it's another it's another one of those movies that expects you to just side with Jackie Chan because it's like, what are you, some cold callous monster? You don't want him to get justice for his daughter or whatever. And it's not it's not as if there's much to the movie. He's pretty much like in all movies about old dudes who are past their prime but are still vital to society for some reason. He's an ex-U.S. trained uh, mercenary who lost his previous daughter to Thai pirates and they believe that she was, I think if I recall correctly, repeatedly raped and murdered by these pirates and his wife drowned on their way to, to London and he didn't really ever get closure for that so in effect he's like chasing down closure by going through pierce brosnan which it would have been a pretty compelling story if they just outlined the fact that jackie chan's character is fucking crazy and like he really wants revenge for this even though pierce brosnan had nothing to do with it but in reality uh pierce brosnan did have something to do with it and he had ira ties the whole time and he was he was the bad guy it turns out and i i watched that and i was just like dude this is just a bad movie (laughs) why is pierce brosnan the bad guy again the more compelling story would have been if jackie chan was just out of his fucking mind and he just racked with grief over the death of his daughter. See, that would have been a way iller story. Yeah, I love movies that do that where you're just following someone's descent into madness and they just become the bad guy. And it's you're you you're not sure if you're supposed to root for them or not, but you know, if objectively speaking from the outside, they're a bad person. That's a much more compelling story than oh, turns out that Pierce Brosnan was the villain all along, it's okay to root for Jackie Chan. But you also know that, like, an actor like Jackie Chan is just going to garner sympathy out of familiarity. Like, at this point, if we see Chris Evans in a Captain America-like role, we're just going to assume that he's good because he, we've seen him as Captain America for so long, you know? Yeah. Yeah, shame. But I also feel like he's the type of person that would uh, do that just to to really fuck with you. And then he would, turns out he was the the serial rape murderist. Who uh, Chris Evans? Yes, in a, uh, in a film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. I think what's his name Mackay Pfeiffer was in a movie like that actually hey and it was probably one of the most it was one of the worst most racist movies that I've ever seen in my <laughs> fucking life I can't I this is getting into some other shit but like I know for a fact it was written by a white dude oh. uh, just based on how it works so the movie is basically um it tackles the tough reality of black people in the justice system and um 
Mackay Pfeiffer plays this. Uh, what is he? He uh, hold on. What's a, he plays like a researcher or some shit doing like a sociological sociological study about the justice system or some shit and like the inborn biases that people might have against black people in the justice system. I guess they're not inborn; they're just developed biases. But uh, effectively, Mackay Fiverr commits a crime. And he's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But it turns out the whole time he fucking did it. Yeah, of course. All right. Good times. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into some questions from the subreddit. Reddit.com slash r slash real nerd hours. First one this week. Man, all of these were done. All of these were submitted within the last day. Look at y'all. Yeah, it's turning. because I didn't put up the thread oh, well, uh, <laughs> until yesterday. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. All right. So the first one comes from Samurai Jack the Face Ripper. He asks, with the recent cancellation of Swamp Thing over an accounting error that forced the production company to take a $26 million hit, I was wondering what your thoughts were on the state's reimbursing movie or TV projects for production costs. I know The Walking Dead has left the set of Alexandria as a tourist draw, and I guess other shows have something similar. I assume that reimbursement is common practice but i was under the impression that the state was just offered a reduced rate to a film not a reimbursement on costs with an 80 million dollar budget on swamp thing i'm not surprised it looks as good as it does 40 million in recouped costs versus only 14 million is a punch in the gut for sure second episode was awesome by the way from what i can tell it depends on what the goals of the state are but i i'm Pro, ah, God, this is going to sound so shitty because, like, I know what the, these are used for, and it's super shitty because it doesn't benefit smaller companies at all. So, what, what in effect, the tax breaks do, if they are tax breaks rather than reimbursements, is uh, it gives people the opportunity, it gives companies the opportunity to get a leg up in a market where, let's say, uh, previously, it's previously unpenetrable. It'll give them the opportunity to kind of build up their company there and increase the labor force in that city and uh, at least for a short period of time, depending on what kind of work it is. If it's like just a one-time shoot, then it could be used as a tourist attraction as well as get people uh, jobs in that area or get people hired in that area, local tradesmen hired specifically, um, and things of that nature. If it's a VFX company or a video game studio, it'll allow like local talent and create like a burgeoning new industry within that area. So I'm pro that to some degree. I'm I'm pro giving tax breaks and reimbursements and stuff like that. The company that I used to work for to build an office in Toronto, they were offered basically a 50% rebate on their taxes for every Canadian person that they hired at the company. And they were also offered some crazy reimbursement for office space that they leased out for a long amount of time. So it was, it, it worked in two ways for the company that I used to work for. One, uh, Toronto was able to lease out previously unused space in downtown for a pretty decent cost to uh, the people who owned it and, and obviously make sure that it's in use so it's not derelict and abandoned or just empty space so that area is busier and it generates more business like people going to lunch, things of that nature. 
And it also gave them the opportunity to hire a bunch more Canadians and keep them employed for a long time. In theory, what this is supposed to do is it's supposed to allow that company to build a foothold in Toronto or whatever city that's being offered in, create a substantial lasting impact in that community and kind of provide jobs for people in that area. But oftentimes it's just whatever company taking advantage of some dumbass tax stuff that a city implements uh, so they can build out an office in China or whatever. Yeah, but ultimately, like in theory, it's a good idea as long as it's ex- executed well. Yeah, and it, a lot of those are just tax breaks, so it's not nearly as uh, expensive as a reimbursement because you know writing a check as opposed to just oh okay we're just gonna collect less money from you. It it, it works out a little bit better. Uh, I guess in everyone's favor, but I don't want to say everyone. But uh, yeah, no, uh, you, you you covered it pretty comprehensively, so I'll leave that. Thank you. Next question comes from Gizmo's Guide. He asks, "You guys riding the hype train from twenty Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven? I know I bought my ticket. Yeah, Choo-choo. yeah, all aboard the hype train. Uh, I." I meant to uh, go on a mini rant about actors and starring roles in games, but it's for another time because you know what? They're not going anywhere except into more video games. But uh, yeah, no, the game looks sick. It should be real good. But he also asks, you guys going to fuck with Google Stadia? Other companies have tried game streaming before, but a company never, but never a company that provides network infrastructure like Google. Plus, they've got a first-party development team. Do you think game publishers are going to take a hit because you'll be able to push your games onto just about anything with a screen? Also, how do you feel about the pricing for the pro tier, monthly sub, and buying AAA titles? Maybe it's just me, but it feels like a better deal than PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to your take. And thank you. That's a new name, right? Uh, Gizmo's Guide, uh, I mean, he's actually been on the show. <laughs> Has he? Who is it? That's Dwayne. What up, Dwayne? Uh, oh, what up, Dwayne? Congrats <laughs> on the new job. Yeah. Shout out to the Look home. at you programming and shit. Yeah. Working for the big boys. But, yeah, uh, buddy. Yeah. No, so the Google Stadia, it's an interesting concept, but I can't say that I'm I'm on board. I think for one, I'm pretty sure on average, the United States falls under their recommended um, speeds for streaming their games at like 720. So that's already kind of a bad look. But beyond that, I mean, I, I, I haven't really looked into the console system platform, whatever. I haven't looked into it too deeply, but... I need to know more. I need to know a whole lot more before I, I get any sort of excited. Like, if there's some way of, I guess, ensuring that you own the games, that would help my, I don't want to call it anxiety, but apprehension about the whole concept. Because Steam, you can you can play without Steam. You know, you have all the files. You're not supposed to be able to play the stuff, but you can. So at least there's that, you know? But having all your stuff be totally internet dependent, I 
I have a whole lot of uh, reservations about that. There's a reason why it hasn't been successful up to this point. Other companies have tried the same thing, and other companies have also shut that shit off very quickly. This is Google. I don't know what the fuck Google is doing with some of their technology. Like, this is really good for a market such as maybe Sweden, because apparently Sweden's up there for internet connectivity for the entire country, and basically everybody's on fiber or some shit. It's good for countries with really dope internet, but the U.S. infrastructure won't support it, and a lot of people aren't going to be able to purchase this because the infrastructure doesn't support it outright. There's no reason to do this anymore. This is, it's, I mean, it's just a waste of time and money. You can't, I, the reason why I have the type of PC that I do have is because my dick gets hard for very good graphics. And granted, I don't play video games in the same way that I used to. So it's less and less of a concern every day. But again, I I live for the graphics, baby. You're not going to get me to buy a fucking console that I can stream at 720. <laughs> yeah, fucking right, dude. Yeah, right. I'm not doing it. What a waste. There's, um, yeah, there's no, there's nothing. There's nothing for me there. I would never do this. I, I wouldn't even buy my kid this. I'd slap my <laughs> child. I'd say, what are you dumb? What are you, some kind of pleb? Huh? Well, I raised you to be an, aste- an aesthetics fiend. What is this? Go back to Roblox. Fucking nerd. Yeah. I bought you this PC that can render these 8K frames, 8 million of them in a single night for a reason. Don't disappoint me, child. Well, anyway, yeah. No, I think it's a waste. I... I have zero desire for that. Um, I think streaming video games is a dumb idea. What would work better is in a closed system, something like the uh, Google Stadia. Again, this is, you're going to have a big problem with fucking piracy with this. But uh, it's going to be a situation where if you could download the game straight up, like if you could just download it, that would be way better. Downloaded for a temporary amount of time. You have heavy DRM on that shit, so it's hard to pirate. It's still going to get pirated to some degree, but people are already pirating shit anyway. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you try your best. The The concept of streaming games is a hard one to sell me on. I'm not at a total zero uh, in terms of interest, but... Yeah, that's a hard hurdle for me to get over. So, yeah, 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 probably, yeah fair enough. Probably not is where I'm at right now. <laughs> and that does it for questions this week. Thank you for writing in Jack and Dwayne. I, I, I'm assuming I'm just calling you Jack because Samurai Jack, the face ripper, whether your name is Jack or not doesn't matter it is now uh shout out to j man of the box for the comment on the patreon url update we updated the uh goals as well on there i don't have them in front of me so i can't read them but i did take down the soccer no he goal uh <laughs> anime was a mistake uh it was a pipe dream to think that we should or could even support anime something that should never have been thought of we were here ever. to save anime we were so close. 
I am the Walt Disney of anime. I am the Andy Warhol of anime. Uh, what else does Kanye say about himself and his music? I don't fucking know. I am the Steve Jobs of anime. <laughs> that's that's what we were trying to accomplish with uh, Soccer no Hime. But it looks like we've fallen short yet again. The people don't understand uh, the vision. They're not geniuses like us. Bring be the Medici's, the Medici family. Fund all of our dumb shit. Just kidding. I don't want any of that. <laughs> that's too. That's too much responsibility. I, I do actually want all of that. So, uh, if you have billions of dollars or millions of dollars, millions of dollars, millions of dollars, uh, then yes, please uh, send it my way. Shot is swing my way. Anyway, thanks everybody for writing into this week's edition of Real Nerd Hours, uh, the second to last episode ever. Uh, if you guys have any like questions or whatever, comments and concerns, or anything that you want to share, uh, anything that you like specifically about the show, then just drop it uh, in the questions and comments thread that's going up on time this week. And uh, yeah, I'll take a look at it. Uh, or we'll read them next week. And yeah, next week's the second to last episode. Yep, now's the ever. time. Get it or in. This week is the second to last episode. Next week is the final episode. Well, we can't end on 129. That's such a weird prime number. Come on. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll do 130. There we'll do episode 130. And then it'll be it. That'll be the end of Real Nerd Hours. So you get. But, you know, we'll be back yeah. just in a different sort of form. Yeah, it'll be a different podcast. No concessions. Patreon.com slash no concessions. That's where you'll find uh, at least the same stuff that's been on the Patreon for the last several months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you'll find that stuff on there. We're working on new stuff for the Patreon, so it'll be it'll be a good time. Uh, come through. Check it out. It's going to be mystic magic. Perfect. The next show is perfect. It's exactly what you want it to be. All of, all of your you complaints want. about this show, gone. Yeah, uh, not to say that anybody ever had any complaints about this, this show. Because this show was also perfect. Also perfect. Nothing ever was wrong with the show, ever. Don't, Nothing. Don't fucking at me. Never at me. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening to this week's edition of Real Nerd Hours. I guess next week will be the second to last episode. The final episode is going to be episode 130. Uh, we warned you. Yep. Or at least tried. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We'll uh, catch you uh, next week. Y'all have yourselves a good night. Bye.